Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more. Live on Sky Sports. Now you're welcome back. So we're uh, turning to the situation at Wolves, which is quite interesting. Bruno Lage is no more. He took over from Nuno Spirito Santo and 15 months later he is out the door. Very happy to say Jackie Oatley is with us, broadcaster, commentator, has covered Wolves very closely down the years. You're very welcome, Jackie. Hi, good evening. So with Bruno Lage, for a time it was all going very well. Of his uh, 46 games in charge, 31 games in, Wolves are seventh in the table. They're five points off Champions League places. Things are looking very acceptable. And I suppose we're talking here about some kind of a a disintegration, really, in the final third of his time. One win in 15 Premier League games, that's done it? Yeah, I think um, the word disintegration in the final third was quite right, actually. You meant of his tenure, but actually... That really was the story of his tenure on the pitch as well. They were pretty well drilled. They were very well coached. They didn't play abysmally. It wasn't one of those sackings when the team has played so appallingly over a number of games. uh, The fans are throwing season tickets at the pitch. It was nothing like that. It was just that game after game after game, he talked of finding solutions, just like his predecessor, Nuno Espirito Santo, and neither of them could find the solutions to the goal-scoring problem. And they did spend £100 million in January, having previously said they'd have to sell to buy, and they did get some players out the door, but they did strengthen, and they just couldn't score any goals. You talked about his 46 Premier League games in charge. They only scored 41 goals in that time. And when you talked about the fact that they were actually pushing for a Champions League place at one point, they really were. It was quite extraordinary. But even then, the problem was the goal scoring. And if Bruno were here now, Bruno Lage, he would say, but hang on a minute, I barely had a striker. And in fairness to him, it's been a couple of years now since Raul Jimenez had that horrific brain skull injury. And you won't find a Wolves fan who tells you that he's come back the same player, which is understandable. And that's not remotely his fault. And he's still a fantastic character. He's just nowhere near the player he was. And even in that season, with Nuno in charge, he was the only senior striker with an 18-year-old kid in Fabio Silva who came in. And this season, for some reason, he was allowed to go out on loan without a replacement coming in. So, yes, he was dealt a poor hand in terms of personnel and strikers. But when you look at the players that he has had at his disposal, he's had talented Portuguese and Spain forwards who just haven't broken into the box. The movement in the final third has been abysmal. Players just wouldn't go in the box. There wouldn't be anybody there for cutbacks. The one-twos that he talked about just didn't materialise. And that's on the coach. Because mm. even the game at the weekend against West Ham where they're beaten 2-0, if you didn't see the game, you could assume, well, they must have been played off the park and it was a comfortable West Ham win. But... Wolves had 11 shots to West Ham's nine. They had 62% possession away from home. As you said, this is not a team playing terribly far from it. The striker situation just does seem to be um, particularly grim. I mean, thus far, I was looking, Jackie, only two players have scored league goals. Uh, Podence with two, Neves with one. And their top scorer last season, well, it was Raul Jimenez. He managed six goals in the league. I mean, this is just... Uh, so average. I, I would think there must be a constituency who must look at Bruno Lage and say, well, he did a lot of things right. So if he had a decent striker, this team could have done a whole lot better. Fans hadn't turned on him, I was reading. 
Yeah, I do have sympathy for him genuinely on that front because it looked like a team that had all the build-up play, really talented players, genuinely so. And I don't know if you saw the first half against Tottenham. They were absolutely outstanding, apart from the final third, which you could argue is the most important third in terms of entertaining fans, scoring goals. You literally do not win games without scoring goals. That's pretty obvious. But the way they played, they were so well coached and they looked as though they had faith in the manager. But it's just a massive, massive issue. And that's why it came as a surprise to some people, the fact that he'd been sacked, because people were like, hang on a minute, they weren't playing appallingly. And yes, they didn't have a striker. And I've heard some national pundits who don't watch Wolves every week saying, well, hang on, it's not fair if you don't have a striker. Then, of course, you're not going to score goals. But I don't think it's that straightforward. They weren't creating great chances. If you look at the stats... They're always top of the table for shots from outside the penalty area. And yes, they'll have shots and they'll have shots on target, but they're really easy ones for the opposition to defend. They're an absolute dream to play against and they shouldn't be. I mean, Pedro Neto, who's been linked with Arsenal, fantastic Portugal international, hasn't looked the same since his injury, but equally he's very left footed and he's been played on the right wing. So he keeps coming in field into traffic and is easily dispossessed. And these are the sorts of things that are happening game after game after game. And you've got Adama Traore, one of the most fear-inducing attack-minded players in the world, you could argue, on his day, Mm. sitting on the bench week after week. And yes, he's had an injury, but he has barely been played anyway. And you saw when he came off the bench at West Ham what he can do. So there are lots of decisions that are baffling. And I think also the decision at the weekend to revert to a back five, which he'd moved away from this season with moving Connor Capodi out or allowing him to move to Everton because your man Nathan Collins has come into a back four instead. And I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but the fact that he decided to put a, a tiny fullback in Johnny at centre-half with your best player, a midfielder in Ruben Neves, instead of playing Totti Gomez, who is a career centre-half who was sitting on the bench, who did really well last season. I think that was really the final straw in terms of the, the fans' minds thinking he's just not making the right decisions in terms of turning this back four into a more attack-minded side, which was what all the upheaval with Cody was supposed to all be about. So he has had his chances. He's been unlucky with Huang's injury. But Huang, after a great start, having come in um, last season, he was brilliant first half of the season. They didn't have to make it a permanent move. They did. And then he stopped scoring and he stopped look like looking like scoring. And the same with Guedes, Gonzalo Guedes, really talented player, just isn't scoring. Um, and the same with Trincao, who came on last season, Portugal international, never looked like scoring. And so that's really on the manager. Yes, they didn't have the focal point. I do think it's a big recruitment problem. I don't know why they've seemingly been so happy to have one senior unfit centre forward season after season, Mm. three seasons now, pretty much. I don't get that. But equally, the job of a manager is to make a team greater than the sum of its parts. And that's just not what Bruno Lage was able to do, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned they spent the £100 million over the summer. They might have been best served by just putting that all into a world-class striker. Did they waste that money or have they got decent value for it? Well, they paid £15 million for Sasha Kalajic, an Austrian international from Stuttgart. And a few people were surprised. I was commentating on that game, actually, against Southampton, which they won. Um, And he started. We weren't really expecting that after one day of training. I'm not putting that on the manager, the fact that he did his ACL after about 40 minutes in a completely innocuous challenge. But when you look at his track record of injury, 
it is vast. He had so many injuries at the age of 25 coming in, which is why he only cost £15 million. So, yes, sympathy with the manager. Again, maybe the recruitment situation, should they have left it to that? I don't know if you remember a guy called William Jose who came in on loan and <laughs> just looked anything like a potent threat. Just, again, terrible recruitment in terms of strikers. And Fabio Silva, £35 million on this teenager who had the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he played that way. Again, tactically, didn't play to his strengths, didn't score a single goal in League and Cup last season, and they spent £35 million of a, a limited budget on him. So again, question marks about that. But again, it comes back to just not looking like a team that's scoring goals and not getting the best out of the players they had. Okay, fair enough. So uh, long live the king, the king's dead. Who's next in? Looks as though it's going to be Yulan Lopetegui. Uh, the uh, Spanish coach, formerly of Real Madrid and Spain. It, it's not a usual career trajectory, is it? <laughs> Spain, Real Madrid, Sevilla and Wolverhampton. Um, but he is a client of George Mendes. He is currently um, in employment at Sevilla, but it sounds as though he's going to get the sack there. They're just a place off the relegation zone. They also have similar problems to Wolves in that they can't score goals. Um, they've got a former Wolves striker there in Rafa Mir. Um, but he's, it sounds as though he's going to take a game in the Champions League this week and then get sacked on Thursday. And Jorge Sampaoli is going to come in. He's just been sacked. So it does sound very much, much as though it's him. But, you know, he won the Europa League with Sevilla, beat Wolves along the way, if you recall, in the quarterfinals mm. when they completely outplayed Wolves in that game. And he does have a track record. He does. I spoke to a couple of colleagues who commentate on La Liga and present La Liga, and they both say he looks pretty exhausted. Um, <laughs> they also say that he's not the most attack-minded player and hasn't been getting the best out of the players that he has, which won't be music to Wolves fans' ears. But at the same time, he does have a much, much stronger track record than Bruno Large did, who came in. Something of a gamble, you could say, and the fact that he only had two good half seasons in management behind him. He didn't have a career as a player. Lopetegui was um, a goalkeeper at the World Cup in 1994, though just the one cap to his name. But, it, you know, he played for Real Vicano, etc. And Lagronias had a decent career, but he certainly has much, much more of a track record of, of, of managing top players. And he did lose some top players from his time at Sevilla and it's really hampered him. So the guy looks like he needs a, a couple of nights sleep, a good night's sleep before he takes over, if he is to be the man. And of course, Wolves won't have to pay any compensation, which will suit them just fine. And he's another George Mendes client. Yeah, Wolves are a curious club, I have to say, looking in from afar and, and you cover them very closely. So if the Newcastle away jersey is the Saudi Arabian jersey, then really I, I presume Wolves are moving ever closer to a Portuguese jersey as they're, let's get rid of that yeah, that, that orange, let's make it the home jersey. Um, they've done it, they've had it as the away kit or it might have been the third kit actually a couple of seasons ago and uh, it was record breaking. It was actually a really, really cool kit and it just really worked and the fans loved it obviously because okay. of... Ruben Neves and, and the contingent of Portuguese players. So there's no complaints from Wolves fans about the number of Portuguese players, and um, that's for sure. But the problem, it, I mean, it's been it's been widely discussed today. Article in the Daily Mail today, Martin Samuel. Um, there's no secret of the influence that uh, George Mendes has and the business links he has with Fosun and his Gestifoot company, um, and the fact that they do very much lean on him in terms of recruitment. The last couple of managers have been Gestifoot clients as well, and it looks so the next one will be. So mm. I think while these things go well, Nuno 
took them up into the champ from the championship, record breaking performances, incredible season, two seventh place finishes, FA Cup semi final, Europa League quarter final. Um, so no complaints there from Wolves fans. It's just really wobbled ever since in Nuno's final season. It was like watching paint dry. That was during the pandemic um, when there were no fans in. But it, it's been going downhill and they've struggled to score goals for the last two years, really. Yeah. So. They'll be hoping this guy can turn things around. I did read that Martin Samuel piece and he talked about how George Mendes has helped forge a Portuguese enclave at Wolves. So eight players who started against West Ham are Portuguese and the Fossen group, they took over in 2016. I know you know all this, by the way, just letting the listeners know. Took over in 2016 from Steve Morgan. At that stage, Wolves are a mid-table championship team. Uh, this um, Fossen Group, they're a Chinese holding company. They own an array of companies in every sector you care to name, including Wolves. And as you say, Jackie, they've done, in many respects, a very good job if you compare 2016 mid-table with where the club is now. But they do seem enthralled to Mendes to almost a comical degree. I mean, we, like even when we saw the news in here amongst ourselves in the office that Lage had been sacked, we sort of joked, well, who's the current Benfica manager? You know, that this is the club's identity. So the fans don't have a problem with this. They think this is just uh, modern football, a slight peculiarity, and we're happy enough with the way things are being done. Well... They're not a homogenous breed in that regard. I think, as with a lot of fan bases, you'll find that probably, possibly with Newcastle now, Manchester City, with any kind of controversial owners, there is that sense of we're being attacked from the outside, so we'll double down and we'll support our guys type thing. There is an element of that amongst some fans. Others are able to look at it from a a broader point of view and say, well, okay, it's working for us, so therefore we'll keep our powder dry for now. But, Mm. of course... There'll be some who will think, is this really a healthy hierarchy? I mean, I've spoken to a couple of directors at other clubs who, when selling players to Wolves, have dealt with George Mendes rather than director of football, for example. Um, so some fans will think, is that healthy? Is, you know, what happens, for example, when just now they've needed to sack, you know, George Mendes' client and he's so senior, unofficially so. Um, and advising the club, how do they go about that? Do they say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna sack your guy, but can you get us another one? It, it's it's very different to the models they have at clubs who are widely regarded as being very well run, the likes of Brentford and Brighton, for example. So, and even the last time when they, when they sacked Nuno, they did say that it was going to be a you know broad recruitment process, and you know all sorts of managers were entitled to apply, and that they would cast their net far and wide. And they just chucked that out the window and went, "Oh, we'll go for Bruno Large with two good half seasons as a manager behind him." But he did do great things in that time, and he you know won the league in Portugal scoring boatloads of goals. And so Wolves fans kind of went along with that. And, you know, you can say that every single every single um, appointment is a risk when it comes to a manager, you know, whether they've, they've seen better days or whether they've temperamentally, they're not great or they don't want to be there in the first place. It's not the dream move for them. They had an eye on something else. Whatever it is, you could say that every manager is a risk. So I think... I think, yes, it's not a case of every fan feels the same way. I think while it's been working, while it's been so positive, I mean, look at the squad they've got, by the way. Look at the talent in that squad. I mean, Ruben Neves in the championship, for goodness sake. Mm. Yes, he was a kid, but wow, what a talent. And and uh, Diego, Diego um, Jota, for example, 
was absolutely extraordinary. He was on the Wolves bench. He couldn't get in the team when he was being sold to Liverpool at that time. So they have had some incredible players. And I think from that point of view, a lot yeah. of fans keep any reservations it. quiet or they don't even think about it. It's only really when things go wrong. And if they were to get this appointment wrong, that's mm. a big if. Mm. If they were to get it wrong and if they were to be relegated, then all manner of focus would be on that setup and on the ownership and on the chairman, Jeff Shee, because that's how it works in football, isn't it? When things are going well, mm. you don't question it. When things are going poorly, you go, hang on a minute, what is our structure? Why is this happening? You know, what's the sporting director, the official one um, in Scott Sellers? What's his actual role? Um and while people aren't getting that communication from the club, and it's not a communicative club in that regard, Jeff Shee doesn't like talking to supporters. He did a pre-season sit-down called um, Ask Wolves, I think it is, with um, Sky Sports reporter and fan Johnny Phillips. Um, and it, it was very good. It was very broad-minded. But it's a case of we don't really want to talk every week. We don't want to respond to every defeat. They want to stay quiet. And again, when things are going well, that's fine. But when things aren't going well, and if they were to really struggle in the relegation zone and, heaven forbid, be relegated, that's when the fans will really, really be clamouring for answers as to what's going on behind the scenes. The Red 78. Once we were back, we were back for a period That was of when the uh, televisions were in black and white, Quinn. Yeah, that's right, was, Jeff. Uh... Yeah, you had big buttons and no remote. Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. And would it be your sense then, Jackie, that... Uh, George Mendes is effectively calling the shots behind the scenes? Well, it's difficult to know because, I mean, the chairman, Jeff Shee, is the one who actually makes the decisions, definitely. But it's a case of where does his football knowledge come from? Because when he came into Wolves, he admitted he didn't know much about football. But I think he probably regretted that because that's not always the ideal ideal quote that fans want to hear. And But I, mean, I think it has to be said, in fairness to him, that a lot of chairmen, a lot of directors and CEOs listen to agents. It's just that they happen to have this relationship with a super agent that has really, really worked for them. And they have a business agreement with him as well. They invest in his business. So yes, it doesn't look very healthy, but there are these kind of relationships with agents across the board and managerial appointments are based on an agent recommending somebody who's completely in their the agent's interests, not necessarily in the club's interests. So it does go on all the time. It's just you don't hear the name because they're not as famous as George Mendes. Um, so, yeah, it's, you just don't hear much from, from the club in terms of what's going on. But as I said, things have gone pretty well over the last few years. And in the fans' eyes, it's five minutes ago since they had a double relegation mm. from the Premier League to League One. Um, it's five minutes ago since they had Dean Saunders and Paul Lambert as managers and Walter Zenger for five minutes. Um, so they've really been spoiled, relatively speaking, with the the Nuno situation and a couple of top seven finishes and, and those cup runs that I talked about. And so I think they're very much supporting the club at the moment. But I think... Um, it's just such a huge appointment. This is absolutely a huge appointment. And it's simply a case, simple though it sounds, of making the team greater than the sum of their parts. And if they do, they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. The ledger book, I suppose, with regard to Mendes, is more in the 
uh, Ruben Neves, Diogo Jota type players being funneled Wolves' way as opposed to, you know, uh, substandard players almost raising eyebrows. How did this fella end up here? Then I guess the fans will think this is a net gain for us. Maybe we're getting players ahead of other clubs. Absolutely. And you know what football's like. Everybody in football is riddled with self-interest. Everybody is. There are very few who think about the greater good. And, you know, why should football fans really think about the greater good if they're being given players such as Diogo Jota and, and Ruben Neves, who would never be coming to Wolverhampton otherwise? And um, so I completely understand why they've just reveled in the last few years. And um, And again, as I mentioned before, Every club deals with agents. Every club relies on agents. And you, you can talk as much as you like about how much agents get paid and the percentages and for the actual work they do. And that's a very, very valid argument. That's one for another day altogether. But it's it's a huge issue in football. But every club does rely on agents. And it's just that Wolves have this relationship with a super agent. Some fans are more okay with it than others. And I think it's it's when you question the actual role within the club that makes people wonder, but they don't know because no one tells them anything. So okay. <laughs> they don't really know how strong the relationship is. I've heard it's he's extremely busy within the club and so is his, his assistant. Um, but yes, when it works... For the club, then I think everybody's happy. Um, when you are still able to attract top, top players, the likes of Mateus Nunes was signed recently, for example. He's not your regular lower quarter of the Premier League kind of player. He's an excellent player. Um, then fans are going to be absolutely delirious. And it's not just Mendes players that they've signed, of course, but that has been that has been the working relationship. And some don't like it. It has definitely worked for Wolves over the years, that's for sure. And so generally fans are on board with it. Okay. It doesn't stop other people asking questions about it, though. Of course not. Yeah. Especially when things go wrong, like at the moment. Mm. Even his Irish blood means, uh, well, Wolves couldn't resist Nathan Collins. And uh, aside from welcoming Jack Grealish to the game... He's been brilliant for Ireland over the last couple of months. How's he done for Wolves generally? He's been fantastic. And it's really interesting because there is a, a real dichotomy between national media's perception of Wolves and people who watch Wolves every week in a lot of um, senses, as we've seen this week, with some of the some of the uh, comments by p- pundits who clearly don't watch Wolves very often. But um, in terms of young Nathan Collins, people have been talking about Connor Cody leaving and saying, well, that's why Wolves have gone downhill. But that's really not, even though I'm a huge admirer of Connor Cody and everything that he brought. And it sounds as though it wasn't particularly positive in the way that he left the club. And of course, people are going to question that. But he was moved out because Bruno Large felt that Nathan Collins would be a better fit in a back four. He wanted to switch to a back four. He has wanted to for a long time. I've asked him about it in post-match interviews. And it's been pretty clear he's wanted to do that with a view to having that extra man in midfield stroke forward positions. It hasn't worked out in that regard, but Wolves haven't been conceding any more goals. And it has to be said, the partnership that Nathan Collins has struck with Max Kilman, who surely you would think a future England international left-footed centre-half with Collins on the right, It's outstanding. It really, really is. And he's been a player that Wolves fans didn't really know too much about, I would suggest. And when he signed for Wolves, um, I spoke to a regular Burnley supporter who said they could not believe they'd managed to get him for £20 million. They were fuming that he'd only gone for £20 At his age, 21 years of age, they said in a couple of years' time, he'll easily be 
either the Wolves captain or sold for 50 million. Hmm. Um, they they rated him that highly. And so it's proven, yes, a, a couple of shaky moments, that badly mistimed challenge on Jack Grealish, which fans didn't really go nuts about, which you can do if you've got a player who you think is generally quite reckless, but they really didn't at all because he's been so good. And also... There was one moment he'd been absolutely outstanding against Tottenham, as Wolves had been generally in the game. And I was literally just about to tweet, well, what an outstanding performance from Nathan Collins. And I texted a a Wolves journalist and said to say, Collins, what a signing. He has been unbelievable, hasn't put a foot wrong. And I'm glad I texted a friend rather than tweeted it because literally the next kick of the ball was a corner and Collins lost um, Harry Kane for for the winning goal. So, But that's going to happen. He's a young player. Overall, though, Wolves fans absolutely delighted with the back four and also with the fact that he signed for £20 million. And also he's a different profile of signing. But his athleticism, his pace, his reading of the game, his distribution, his positioning, his temperament... What a signing. So, yes, Wolves fans are just as delighted as I think Ireland fans are having them in their back four. Okay, great. Jackie Oatley, real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Cheers. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games, every weekend. Live on Sky.